Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at a a well-known passage of Scripture in preparation for coming to the Lord's table this morning. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Before we read, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worship. We thank you for the privilege of, of music and singing and worship and this time of year, all of the, the celebration that comes our way, the times with family and friends and the blessings that we receive this year from you, this time of year from you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is alive And we will continue to pray and hear from your word and meet Christ at the table. But we pray now for the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come with power, open the word to us. Lord, we pray as we fellowship, as we sit, as we listen, as we hear. Lord, we know that you are our Father. You're the the perfect Father that we've always wanted, and you know what each one of us needs this morning. You know the state of of our hearts, and even as we will hear your word read and preached and meet you at the table, we pray that you would meet us powerfully where we need to meet you. We pray all these, all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 7, verse 14. This is God's word. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. May 10th, 1941, a farmer in Scotland hears a sound. He walks out into his field and discovers a crashed, burning German airplane. 1941, World War II. He soon discovers that the pilot is alive. The pilot managed to escape with his parachute, and he's alive. Now, from here, the historical details are a little sketchy, but what most people and historians agree upon is that this mysterious pilot, this mysterious German, came representing the German government with a message. A message a message for the King of England. A message for the King of, of Britain, George VI. Look, you know how it's going. You've watched and seen what happened in Poland. 
You've seen what happened in Belgium. You've seen what happened in France. Give up. Join us. Come over to our side. What's your answer? What does this have to do with Christmas? Well, maybe you don't know, but in many ways it has everything to do with Christmas because this promise of a sign and a virgin conceiving and Emmanuel, God with us, is given in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 7, in the context of something very much like this, an impending invasion. And all that goes with that, invasion, threat, warfare, fear, how will the king answer? What will his response be? We can look at this passage in a way that's, that's very simple. It contains a, a promise and it contains a presence. Promise and a presence. You see, long before this pilot crashed his plane into a field in Scotland in the 8th century BC, it's not looking good for God's people. You see, the northern kingdom has separated from the southern kingdom, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and they're constantly at war with one another. And they're constantly making treaties with pagan nations around them. And they're constantly tempted to idolatry. To worshipping the gods of the neighbors, other kingdoms around them. To compromise. To disobey. And here we have, in the context here in Isaiah 7, Ahaz, the king of Judah, is approached by several other surrounding nations, and they're saying just the thing we just heard. Join us. Give up. You're finished. There's no hope for you. And this is coming from the northern kingdom. It's coming from Assyria. It's coming from Syria. Give up. Join us. Come into treaty with us. And the king, King Ahaz, is afraid. And he's being called upon by Isaiah to trust God. Look to God. Trust God. Chapter 7, verse 2, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. In verse 4, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint. And then the Lord through Isaiah goes so far as to approach the king and to say this, the Lord is telling you to ask him for a sign. Ask him for a sign. Ask God for a sign of his promise. Ask God for a sign of his faithfulness. Oh, no, I, I don't want to presume upon God. I don't feel, really feel comfortable with that. I, I don't want to do that. No, do it. Trust him. Don't be afraid. 
No. And the Lord through Isaiah says this, I'm going to give him a sign anyway. I'm going to give him a sign of my covenant, of my love, of my promise, of my faithfulness. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Trust me, Ahaz. Trust me, Judah. Trust me, Christian. No matter what your, your difficulties, your temptations, where you're tempted to compromise and give in, Well, we have the benefit of knowing something that Ahaz didn't know, of knowing something that Isaiah didn't completely know. We have Christmas. We have Christmas. We have the presence of God with us and among us. Seven years, 700 years after King Ahaz hears this, 700 years Matthew tells us that an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and we see once again some fear in Matthew's, Matthew 1, uh, chapter 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived In her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew goes on to quote Isaiah 7, 14 in the context of Christmas. In the context of the New Testament. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, Matthew adds, God with us. God with us. Luke, in the chapter we all love to to hear around Christmas, speaks of a different kind of invasion. In Luke chapter 2, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. among those with whom he is pleased. What is this, what is this invasion? <laughs> what, 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 are, what are the angels singing about here? What, are they, what is this multitude telling us? What are they announcing? What is this, 
Peace. Peace from what? Peace with whom? The word host here, by the way, behind this word host is the word stratios. The angels are literally singing about an army, a heavenly army, a heavenly host, a band of of soldiers declaring peace, declaring a peace treaty. Think of it this way. What these angels are doing, this heavenly host, they are declaring a peace treaty, but this time it is not with the blood of some foreign army or some invaders or some nation that has rebelled. It's the blood of Jesus. They are announcing a peace treaty signed with the blood of Jesus. And the war is over. Forgiveness is here. Relationship is here. God is with us. Trust Him. Don't fear. It's been quite a week in the history of our nation. We witnessed the state funeral of a president. We remembered Pearl Harbor. And something that's important in our family, we had the Army-Navy game, and Army won. Third time in a row. Who's counting? Something stood out especially to me this week from one of the speeches from a former uh, senator, Alan Simpson. And this is going to stick with me a long time. He said this, hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. Hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. Our God has every reason to look down on rebellious, self-centered, prideful sinners and say, I'm going to leave them to themselves. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to turn them loose. But he doesn't. He dies for us. He does the opposite. He comes and lives and dies and goes to the cross and conquers our our greatest enemies. Martin Luther always has a wonderful way of crystallizing things. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, he puts it this way. Christ was born in a manger to grow up and become the greatest thief, murderer, adulterer, robber, desecrator, blasphemer that there ever was anywhere in the world. God sent His only Son into the world and laid upon Him all the sins of all men and all women, saying, Christ Jesus, you be Peter the denier. Paul the persecutor, 
David the adulterer. Adam, who ate the apple in paradise. The thief who hung on the cross. And all the sins of all men and women. Not in the sense that he committed these sins. But in the sense that he took these sins, committed by us, upon himself. In order to pay for them with his own blood. Believe it or not, that's what we're celebrating. Yes, the baby in the manger is wonderful, but the crib leads to the cross, which leads to the empty tomb. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I love what G.K. Chesterton says about Christmas. There's something defiant in Christmas. Something that makes the abrupt bells at midnight sound like the great guns of a battle that has just been won. The battle with sin and death. Paul tells us he made peace with us through the blood of the cross. This table points to a promise and a presence. One more thing before we come to the table. We remember the birth, we remember the cross, we remember the empty tomb. But I've been a, a pastor for a, a number of years, and this is, a, this is a wonderful time of celebration and joy and happiness and singing and worship, but this is also a hard time of year for some folks. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one. Maybe you've just recently experienced a diagnosis. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in your family you're not getting along with. And you're not looking forward to seeing them. We could go on. As we look at Jesus, we look at God doing something unimaginable and bringing unimaginable good from no room in the inn, from born in a cattle stall, From Jesus being hounded and followed and questioned and attacked and deserted by just about everybody. And most amazing of all, dying on a cross. If God can bring good out of that, unimaginable good, eternal good, a good that changes everything. He can bring good out of whatever you happen to be facing. He can bring a Christmas peace out of whatever challenges you happen to be facing.
born leads to body and blood. It leads to a love that demonstrates itself on the cross in our place. It leads to the promise of salvation and eternal life and presence. God with us. Now, on the spot, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. Lord God, as we turn our hearts to the table, as we are remembering the context of Isaiah 7, warfare, invasion, compromise, idolatry, and then from God, a promise. The promise of Christmas. The promise that will be ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Lord, we pray that even as we have heard Your Word, press it home to our hearts and prepare us for Your table. And we pray these things in the name of Him who came such a distance for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.